Come on, Homopedia. What's going on over here? Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. So we have the wonderful Chuck Stevens with the Digital Center of Excellence. In the studio with Tara, Carmen, and I. You may recognize his voice from the Disrupt podcast crew. Check them out at go slash disrupt. I'd love to hear about your career journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a humana? Uh, well, I was born a poor boy <laughs> in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Or was it on a farm? Uh, 1971. Uh, no, so uh, I've been in healthcare my entire career. So 24 years and uh, started in the mail room as a temporary at local Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And here I am. Uh, thanks here to my did. parents for that because they were like, you just need to get a job that has an insurance plan. And so that happened to be where I ended up. And then I just stayed there. Uh, so healthcare was not my passion, uh, but it has been a considerable way to pay bills. So I've stayed there. Uh, at Humana, I've been here almost, I guess it's been 12 years this past June, and primarily in the education space. So I started out in IT Learning Services. Uh, I was uh, instrumental in, in creating all the curriculum for Agile, uh, and that's really what I spent most of my oh, time neat. on. Uh, and so it's cool to kind of see that Agile's still around, and we're still, <laughs> still trying to get people to uh, embrace it, but... Uh, then I moved over to the Digital Center of Excellence, worked in the social media team for a little bit, trying to cut my teeth a little bit and understand social media, marketing, whatnot, and then just went straight into the education part uh, of digital. So it's been education all the way. Uh, the cool part for me is the the partnerships, and, you know, sitting here with you all and just meeting all the people. And to your point, you do get siloed, but I put – the impetus back on the person. Yep, make it happen. You got to make mm-hmm. it happen. And so step out of your comfort zone. And if there's something you want to learn about, go look at the org chart and ping them or That's... ask for someone to introduce you, you know, because I... most people do want to, uh, you know, to, to give you information. Which is kind of a, a bold move, you know, just to go get it, you know, whatever you're interested in. I don't know. That's it's not my first thought to do. That's what I use Hi and Buzz as my first resource for anything human or a person, Uh, just for whatever I'm needing. And and then I go to Mentor, which has, like, the more formal aspect of it. But that's how I started. I was like, podcast, okay, well, I'd I'd use Buzz and everything else. And just that's my just first step. And it's going to take you down a rabbit hole. I need to learn how to do Boolean search phrases a little bit better but um 
it, it's just there's so much good content out there and everything's existed which you place. know disrupt is is not a new thing um so like there was a buzz post back in 2014 with the same moniker minus the the bang in for the eye so can you share um a little bit about how disrupt kind of started and what is disrupt yeah what is disrupt to you uh disrupt is it's funny when we were thinking about like logos and things of that nature i had this idea of um you know you see the school of fish swimming one way and I wanted to have the D going the other way. And they're like, that's a little too much like saying, you know. <laughs> and so I've always been of the mindset of ask forgiveness, not permission. And that served me well. And so I've always felt like uh, people perceive the company or companies as being too strict or too whatever. And I think part of that is just because when you're working in a company of this size, it it has that feeling. And so as I began to venture out and talk to people and partner and whatever, I realized that more people shared my way of thinking than, than you know, I thought. Uh, so I just started thinking, you know, what could we do that was different but brought value? Because when I look at, you know, having two young children, I'm probably going to work another 15, 20 years, I want to have some type of legacy, and that legacy is how can I make a company like Humana, and I think of that as very corporate, straight-laced. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was here, uh, you know, starting 12 years ago, I had to wear a shirt and tie. I'm here in shorts and, you know, well, I do have a collared shirt on. And chucks. And chucks, and yeah. Chucks. <clears throat> and chucks so, on chucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that should be a Dr. Right, Seuss. Oh. Chucks on Chuck. <laughs> chucks on yeah. Chucks. Uh, but uh, my thought was, one, how can you have fun? Uh, at work because, you know, you spend 80% of your life here, so we should be able to have a little bit of fun. Uh, Two, uh, how can you do that in a way that is uh, helpful to people? And the biggest thing for me was getting information to people, connecting people, Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, you know, I might not be the resource that you need, but I know the resource that Mm -hmm. you need. And that's more important Mm -hmm. and helpful to me than, you know, doing other things Uh, so that's kind of how disrupt was born we were just kind of like we see how we do all these things so you you do town halls a certain way you do meetings a certain way you do communications a certain way and it just didn't fit into the mold that that i liked and you know kind of talked to others and they were like let's try something and so we did uh so we started with a i think it was a uh it was a debrief about hymns Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a panel, and I challenged everybody to come in, and I was going to create the Jimmy Fallon set and do a meeting like it was a late show. And so that was our first one. And uh, That's cool. We learned a lot. <laughs> uh, you don't start off with your tricks first, even though on the late shows they do the funny stuff, and then right. they interview because uh, people wanted to get into the interview. But also it's funny because you'll watch audiences and they're they're when you're doing something different than they're used to, they get very uncomfortable. Pump the brakes. That's what I just said to you. Pump the brakes. Yeah. It's so, uncomfortable. Well, it's uncomfortable because people feel like they don't have that space to be able, able to be free. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was another driving force for us to say, you really can. It's you know, okay it goes back to, to the fun. Yeah. It goes back to the question of how do you wear pants every day? You know, jeans. Well, I put them on. You know, nobody's gonna I, Send me home. 
Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Depending. Uh, what uh, I actually did get sent home one day. I did because I wore flip flops. No, I wore flip flops and shorts. So that yeah. was pushing the line. Yeah. Everything else was okay. Just no flip flops. No flip flops and shorts. shorts. Yeah. On like, Fridays. Like a beach look. Yeah. No, exactly. No beach look. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen Office Space, like when he ro- you know, rolls in and guts the fish on his desk, don't do that. <laughs> but other than that, you're good. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so disrupt. Why a podcast? Uh, I just think, you know, and it goes back to our discussion at lunch. Uh, you know, if you look back in history, we've always been storytellers. You know, when we teach our children, we talk to them. We tell them stories. We, you know, I don't write it down and go, this is how the world works, you know. So why should it be that way here? Uh, and you're asking me to spend I mean, of course, you pay me, but you're asking me to spend a, a huge chunk of my life away from the people that I love to help you advance your goals. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your passion behind it. Like, if you go and you hear Bruce Broussard speak, it has a much more dramatic effect than if you just read something. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, like Jody Bilney. Every time I hear yeah, Jody Bilney right. speak, I am like, let's do this. Right. Like, let's you go. Just, I'm going to talk to right. You tell me to jump, I'm jumping. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's the thing. It's it's one of those things where you I like to ignite passion into people. Yeah. Right. You know, Dynamic. and it's it's that, you know, we're all on the same team. We're like, you know, and you look at it from a God forbid, a sports metaphor. But, you know, when you see teams together and they're talking to each other and they're, you know, it just feels good. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of why we went that way. That's our first sports metaphor. Yeah, and great. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I love it. No, I'm all about it. Like I, I helped one of our agents. They're like, oh, if only I like the Cavaliers. And so, by just by happenstance, I, I was in Columbus whenever they, you know, they were doing a championship and everything. So I was like, oh, here, this is what dates like this game's happening on. I was like, whatever you do, you love LeBron. This is before the you know, the trade happened and all everything imploded. So. Before that, though, like I gave him just a key piece of information, sat down and talked to this group of gentlemen. I invited them back to watch the game. And that's just about our, our agents stopping in and like being a part of the community that they're living in and creating that relationship. So that's kind of cool. Sports. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one other thing around the audio thing, and, and we were probably didn't have this vision at first, but we were actually interviewing somebody early on. It was probably episode two or three. And I think it was new hires, I think is what we were talking to. And the lady that we talked to, she was like, well, you may not be able to hear me because I'm I'm in between patients' houses because I'm in Texas on a back road and I'm driving from this patient to the next patient and I'm listening to your old podcast. And I was like, what? And you go, so you go, oh, wow. You know, yeah, we've got all these folks, clinicians and all of that, man at home, right? Global. Mobile associates, and they're like, here's a huge opportunity here. Meeting them where they are. Exactly. And isn't that a tenant of the perfect experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and here's the thing. Most people say now, I just don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a presentation, there's a lunch and learn, there's all these different ways we're trying to communicate. They just don't have time. They don't have nope. time. But you know what you do have time for is popping on a podcast in a car or doing your 10-minute walk around the block and listening to it. So, there. I mean, to me, there's just no better way to get information. And I how agree. can they get the Disrupt podcast? Uh, they can text the word Disrupt to 239-355. And uh, very much like your alls, right? Right. 
We'll put that in the, in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and so, like I said, I'm a big Humana Googler. Um, I found in like 2016 there was a lean kit in Con, Kanban. Kanban. Kanban? Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing? Uh, it is. So Kanban is very much like Agile. It's a framework. Uh, so it, it takes some of the tenants. Uh, you, you'll get five, six, you know, half a dozen types, you know, Agile, Extreme Programming, Kanban, Lean, they're all kind of the same philosophies, which is really like quick iteration loops, fail fast, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there are pockets of the company that, that are they're utilizing that. LeanKit is actually a software product that employs that type of uh, methodology. Right. I've never heard of that before. Right. I, again, Humana Googling as to what resources <laughs> we have out there. I guess one of the other questions I had is um, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about my girls. Uh, that's probably the most passion I have. I've got a eight-year-old, soon to be nine, and a four-year-old, and that basically determines everything that I do these days. Not just because they take up all of my time, but just you know. They're cool kids. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. That's right, yeah, you met them. I, I forgot. I, yeah, I forgot about they that. They are such cool kids. <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I think this is a passion. Uh, trying to do something different at a company. Uh, like this uh, is a passion of mine and uh, reading and music those are my passions yeah. I like those favorite music artists fun fact <sighs> Good God. well I mean it has to be mm-hmm. public enemy yeah. since they're tattooed right. on my, oh, on wow. my arm I so. already knew that yeah. so oh, there you go I was yeah. like, you saw education. that yeah Olivia Newton-John yeah there you yeah. go yeah. There was a Global Accessibility Awareness Day, and the DCOE helped sponsor that event to promote sharing the other people with disabilities and you know, age-related problems. Can you share a little bit more about that event? I was not in that event, uh, but I do know the people that put it on. Uh, very, very important stuff. Uh, and even as we think about our podcasts, Uh, If this gets larger, we're going to have to think about accessibility standards and whatnot. So keep that in the back of your mind. You know, we we do a lot of that type work in the Digital Center of Excellence. So especially from our UX side of things, you know, Mm -hmm. if if you've got someone who can't see, how do they, you know, access and whatnot? Uh, If you've got someone who's deaf, you know, that type thing. And UX is user experience. It is user experience, yes. Uh Brittany's our humopedia. Yes. She's the Humopedia. Humopedia. There's the market point taxonomy as well for just market point specific terms. Taxonomy, that's a good corporate Uh, BS term. Yeah, right? And But, like, (laughs) it it just happens. I I say so many, like, humana terms just in everyday life. But, again, that's part of the culture piece of it is just, you know, assimilating into the jargon and the ideologies and the artifacts and, like, life blocks and things like that. I, mean, I remember when my husband's like, I don't know what you're saying. Right. Speaking right. English. Right. I'm like, well, I was just saying that, you know. All the acronyms flying. Yeah. Or just even right. some of the words I'm using. Sure. Sure. So what part of your job do you find most satisfying or dissatisfying? or? Mm, I think the most satisfying is meeting everybody mm-hmm. and, and, and partnering up. Uh, I was always kind of a connector type person just because I like to talk and, and meet people. But uh, I think it was Roger Kood who is my mentor. Uh, he runs, uh, you know, enterprise talent development. And, uh, you know, he really forced me out of my comfort zone as far as like, anytime that you're thinking about doing something at Humana, always 
think first, like, who could I partner with? How could I help, you know, kind of flatten this? Because there's no reason why I should be working in a silo by myself. Right. And so we, we talk about, well, let's not have silos, but it's it's really our way. When you start working on something, you're kind of like, da, 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 you know. But then when you start thinking about it first from a who else could I bring into this or who could I connect with? And so for me, that's been one of the, the most positive things is realizing that let's share the wealth here. Yeah, smarter, not harder, right? <clears throat> well, and one of our last interviewees said organizational generosity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not, not keeping it to yourself. And if I've created something that you can benefit from, I'm going to hand it over right? And, and let you, you know, experience it too. One of the things I've noticed with, like, the digital native type folks that are coming into the organization, they don't have the knowledge hoarding ideology <laughs> mm-hmm, no. because they're new to this type of environment. So to them, everything is shared. Like, right. you know, everything is shared. So then, you know, you don't have those issues. Whereas, you know, I've been in the workforce 24, 25 years you know, if you had that information and that silver bullet, you kept that thing That's as close yours. to you and you only shared it with people that you knew, you know, weren't going to steal your idea or whatever. And there's just not that mentality now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that we have to educate ourselves on is like, that's what Bruce means when he's talking about flattening the organization. Mm-hmm. I had no idea yeah. that yeah. that's what that meant. And no. that's like they we're launching a new NRG, uh, Gen Us, mm-hmm. that's going on. So that's going to be an intergenerational NRG. And it's just really unique how I feel that that's going to help come about. But I feel all of our NRGs also, I think, have had a little bit of training or sharing about trying to keep these things in mind. And this has also played a huge role in NHR in general about how we disseminate information and how we interact with others and being respectful, but also realizing these differences exist and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes a good company. Right. you got to have some diversity and yeah different and you don't want people that think the same way you do life would be so boring if everyone was just alike not my personal soapbox i'll step off of now you ready for a big question oh yeah <laughs> i'll answer anything well you, we were, we're really appreciative of all you've done for the mm-hmm. energy podcast mm-hmm. you've been a huge if not <clears throat> the biggest support we've had just in getting going and understanding this whole space um how, what is it to you, what does it sound like, how do you define being an advocate for women in the workplace? How do I define that? What do you do in your own, your own day-to-day? So I, I definitely, uh, again, utilize my, my daughters as my lens now, which I didn't before. Uh, I didn't think that, you know, <clears throat> and again, and I make jokes to my family about this, that I'm the, the most hated on demographic, I'm a white male, you know, the most hated on demographic, you know, and, and, but I I say that obviously in jest, but I always now look at, you know, how difficult it is for females, uh, in everything, not just business. And I never recognized that until I had children. Uh, sadly, I have to say that, you know, because I just thought can't be that bad, you know? Uh, but, uh, it, it definitely plays into to everything that I do every day. So if I'm getting ready to, you know, work on something or work with someone or whatever, I start thinking, you know, how must, how, how must this be from that perspective? Or how might it impact? How might it impact or how I'm speaking or how I'm acting or, 
you know, generalizing, mm-hmm. uh, being stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I get some points uh, in my life, sometimes I get too hard on myself because I'm like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have said that. And my wife's like, it's all right. It's all right. No. You're a work mm-hmm. in progress, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I dial in more to um, female professionals than I did before. Like, so when I'm in Twitter now, I seek out, you know, uh, a balanced uh, mm-hmm. set of connections and whatnot. Whereas, you know, before I, I probably didn't pay attention to it. And so that if you went back through my Twitter feed, there were probably more men than there were women. Uh, I uh, constantly am talking to my daughters about what they should look for in uh, a partner, whether it be a man or a woman. Uh, and, you know, I, I probably <laughs> – this is a very difficult question. It because, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's, it's something that I, I have to work on every day. I'm not good at it yet. Well, but you know what? I think acknowledgement piece. Well, I think it's the awareness piece. And um, we were doing some unconscious bias training, and you do start to get really, like, really almost sensitive to, like, can I say this? What can I say? What can I say? But I figured out it's it's not that you have to stop everything. It's just that if if someone brings you, hey, that was that made me feel a certain way, or you know, I kind of took offense to it. It's being able to say, holy cow, so sorry, I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that. From now on, I'm super aware of that. You know, like, we don't have to walk on eggshells. We just need to be able to take the feedback or read the room or read the faces or just kind of know, oh, that didn't go off the way I thought it was going to go off, you know. But just being able to be humble enough to say, okay, i got to think differently. I think that's where the change is going to occur versus us walking on eggshells. I do it too, you know. I'm a people leader, and Mm -hmm. I want to be very careful and respectful and not offend anyone. But I'm also not going to be like, to, scared to talk. You're not going to be walked on either. Well, like being yeah. too cautious is, is something that I don't want to don't want to be known for. I want to be the one that's like, we're the change agents, be able to have these conversations. It might be tough, but you're still going to do it because at the end of the day, it's going to have a better outcome than if you didn't say anything at all and you didn't address the issues because yeah, bring an awareness. You're aware of it. You know, you, you have awareness of that, it. That's it. You know, when you do think it through, sometimes I know we all respond quickly. Mm-hmm. But you said you have an awareness of it. You think of your, your girls. and I'm definitely trying to build awareness, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, sure. I, I'll say general things. You know, uh, one of the things that I didn't recognize, but uh, I forget. My 8-year-old asked me something about a boy, and I was like, oh, he's just, you know, he's being a boy. And my wife was like, don't say that. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like. You're, you're already, like, you're generalizing into categories and whatnot. So, like, she was like, no, he's just, you know, that's... Stereotype. His personality. That, mm-hmm. That's his personality, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's not because he's a boy or a so girl or whatever. All boys will be there. Right. I do that. I yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely makes me more aware. And I appreciate the fact that people are willing to then now talk about that and bring that up. Because I think people are... I think people that don't struggle with with you know having those issues exactly. are open to say well there are people that maybe don't have the awareness and i'm okay as long as they're okay to hear you know feedback. positive reinforcement or mm-hmm. constructive feedback right mm-hmm. so uh you know that's that's one of the things i really love about human is i feel like we we do have platforms to have conversation mm-hmm. uh with the nrgs and, and other things so and it, carrie carrie was a, a 
plethora of information. He he's really likes like the research articles and like the heavy pieces of, of research with it. But he provided some amazing examples for us, um, you know, about just growing up and, and kids saying, oh, well, boys will be boys. No, that's no longer the case. And it's that education piece. That was, that was good. Yeah. Very good. Oh. Um, Carrie also used his daughter as where he tries to come from that point. You know, what, what do I want to see um, for the future for my daughter? So I'm going to approach this, maybe step back for a minute, oh, and yeah. then approach it in a way that what would this look like for my daughter in the future based on maybe what, uh, what the um, situation was? Yeah. And sometimes you have to be direct, but you yeah. know, or, or quick to respond. But uh, but you said the same thing. I got to think about it through the eyes of my daughter. Yeah. What do I see for her future? Totally. Yep. Good. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, I think the one last question we have for you is obviously you're a pretty cool guy, Chuck's and all. Um, how has the culture at Humana allowed you to bring your authentic self to work? And more importantly, you know, how do we change the culture a little bit and make it a little bit more Business fun and cash. laid back and not so tie and suit? Um, you know, I think that uh, a lot of that lies with the individual. Uh, again, I've always been a person that kind of questions or challenges things. Uh, and, and I do it in a respectful way, mm-hmm. you know. If, if I come in, and, and, and like I said, I was sent home one day because I wore shorts and, and a T-shirt and flip-flops, and they were like... How long had you been here before you wore flip-flops? Oh, I wore flip-flops like the first uh, couple of months I worked here. Never mind. Oh, no, just, yeah, I, thought, I thought I yeah. had a theory there, mm-hmm. but... No, no. <laughs> you earned some trust and respect. Yeah. No, he was, I, I do me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just do me, and, you know, I feel like that especially I guess the people that hired me I mean they knew what they were getting I feel like that's the reason they hired me and so you know I think it's more about being true to yourself if you know it's like Carmen said you know she feels more comfortable wearing the clothes that she wears to work it's not because that she feels like Humana's mandating that it's just that's what she feels comfortable in Uh, I feel the same way and I feel like Humana does respect the individual and I don't think that they disrespected the individual before it was just a different feel a different culture, uh, different leadership. Uh, but I feel like Humana's turning a corner from mm-hmm. a culture perspective in a major way in the last you know, three, four years. Uh, and I, I encourage everybody to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when your boss is coming to you and saying, you want to be a mobile associate? And you're like, wait, what? You know, yeah, you're getting your work done. Just, you know, do you want to work at home or would you rather work here? Or would you rather flex? Or would you, you know, you know, glom onto that, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and embrace it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I really believe it's more on the individual than it is the company. I mean, unless it's, you know, something very inflammatory that you're doing or saying or wearing, uh, I don't think, you know, the culture to me doesn't say you can't do that. You know, I just assume that everything is okay until, until <laughs> I'm told it's not okay. Very <laughs> inclusive. Yeah. The man is very yeah, inclusive. I really feel that way. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos to you all. You all are keeping this thing going. We're super proud that you all are, are you mm, know, thank you. doing it. So. Well, everyone on the Disrupt team is, is also pretty darn awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. Most of them are. <laughs> yeah. The people you know are, one in particular, yeah. right? We all continue yeah. to work with him. Yeah. So yeah. Now, what is it you would say you do here? And that's it for this episode. 
You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others. Well, thank you all for letting me be on. This was awesome. Yeah, It was much you. more rigorous than I had imagined. Man, like y'all are legit. <laughs> I felt like I was on Nightline or something. Oh, I got a press kit? That is nice. We just 